Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. As always, we're back with episode 71 of the... Shoot that shit. Don't worry. Shit the shit. You'll get the shit. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Ernie C, the Gap Chief Genius. As always, I am your host, co-founder of the STS Podcast. Welcome to Shoot the Shit. We're here again for the 71st time, y'all. Real, real excited for this one. This is going to be a great episode for you guys. I hope you guys stay tuned for the entirety of this episode. want to give a big shout out to everybody who listened to our first video podcast, um, who watched our first video podcast, episode seventy was with our friends Rosie Duenas, Yolanda Wright, and Cassandra Barone. Three great long-term educators here in um, Bakersfield, California. They happen to be my teachers at Sierra Middle School. If you guys haven't checked that out, please check it out, man. That was episode 70. We called it Rosie, Yolanda, and Cassandra, Yolanda. Sorry, Miss Wright. It was great. It was um real insightful what's going on these times of distant learning and whatnot. And I really appreciate everybody tuning in. If you haven't, please, please follow the STS Podcast 661 on Instagram and Twitter. You're going to find all of your um, links to the YouTube videos. We're going to start doing video podcasts, y'all. That's one big announcement for today. We are now all video podcast but let me tell you guys why it's always really, really important that you guys listen to the podcast on um, Apple Podcast, Anchor, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You guys right here, you're my you're you're the foundation of this podcast. You guys are getting exclusives every week if you you don't even know it. You don't even know it. You guys are getting exclusives every week, y'all. I'm not putting this on the video format. I'm only going to do the interviews that we do for these um, podcasts on video. So you guys are getting this audio exclusive. We're going to be talking about a lot today. Um, so you guys are getting all that exclusive, y'all. I want to give a big shout out to returning listeners. You guys are definitely coming in the droves. You guys are bringing up these numbers, man. I'm so proud of the numbers we're doing. And again, this is not happening with if you guys don't return. So I'm glad you guys are finding some type of comfort with the podcast. You guys are getting familiar with the podcast. Great. And you guys are bringing new listeners. So shout out to the new listeners, y'all. Welcome to the show. This is the STS Podcast. This is episode 71. We got a great podcast for you guys. We got a great show for you guys. I got my guy Jay Balcar coming in. Met my guy years ago um, through some mutual friends and that were family. And man, he turned out to be one of these guys I connected with. You know, we I feel like we have that grind and hustle. He's way older than me. Not that much older. Sorry, Jay. He's older than me. He's a mentor of mine. But it just so happens that, you know, he's been in law enforcement. Um, you know, my dad's a probation officer. He's a probation officer turned parole officer. But somehow, some way, he became um the executive protect um executive bodyguard i guess the exact you know his agency his protection agency is the one that heads conor mcgregor's uh protection when he's in california crazy right so we're gonna have conor mcgregor's bodyguard um come on today my guy jay's gonna be on here that's gonna be episode 71 so check that out we're gonna do that after we shoot the shit today we got a lot to discuss man we got a lot going on in the world right now but this is my world and, you know, we're here to shoot the shit. We're not here to try to change your mind about anything. We're not here to change your opinion, change your, you know, beliefs or anything like that. We're just doing what the, what the podcast says we're doing, and that is shoot the shit. So, before we get into that, y'all, let the DOC tell you 
what you need to do. Now do me a favor. favor. Let me in here. All right, welcome to the 71st edition of the Shooting the Shit segment. We're here not to change your opinion. We're not here to talk about one specific topic or objective in mind. We're here just to shoot the shit. That's what we do here at the STS Podcast. And man, I know somebody who needs to shoot the shit and needs to figure out what he wants to do with his life is the man that Canelo Alvarez fought. He fought in um, this weekend in Miami. Uh, he fought against Anvir. Hermadam, who's not a bad fighter, you know, he was 21 and 2 at the time, and Canelo kind of, you know, he's, he's wants, he wants to stay active, he wants to be, you know, one of those, you know, we haven't had an active champion in a long time, someone in my terms, active means you're fighting three to four times a year, so Canelo came in, you know, he's coming off a two, not even a two month layoff, um, actually just, he fought, he fought on November, uh, December 19th against Caleb Smith. He won that. He won the WBC World Super, um, Super Middleweight title, the WBC and the WBA. So he's fighting this kid, Uridem. You know, about he's a year older than him. Canelo's 29, going on 30. Uridem was 30 years old. And let me tell you guys something. If you guys want to see what a sparring session looks like when the guy's not fighting back, when it's just a heavy bag in the middle of the ring. That's what we witnessed at the Hard Rock Stadium this Saturday, or this past Saturday. Canelo Alvarez knocked him out. It was a TKO. I think he just, I think he sat um, and on the stool. He quit on the stool, yo. Um, 55-1. and one. Man, 37 knockouts, 0 K. Uh, yeah, 55-1-2. and two. I'm sorry, 55 uh, 37 of those wins coming by via knockout. Canelo Alvarez is looking like the face of boxing. He's looking like a stud. He, man, look at his defense. He's, you know, he really was lining this guy up. This guy didn't throw a lot either. We're not going to say he had a great defensive effort. He had nothing to do. He had nothing to go against. Um, He brought it. He broke his opponent down. He was hitting him with some great one-two shots. And if you look at the fights with this kid had against... um. I believe he fought. Let me see here. This is Mr. Yerdam. You know he fought. He fought some fighters. Um, Eubank, Chris Eubanks, um, Darrell. These guys right here, man. And I don't know how he got wins. Or is he actually, yeah, he lost to Darrell and Eubank. So the guys, okay, the, the CB fighters, he's losing to. But if you see the way they beat him, they just really right down the middle, one two punch, and that's what Canelo did. Canelo, this was a night off. And you can't be mad at Cinnamon. Cinnamon's trying to get this money. You know, he's trying to get in the rhythm. He's trying to build up to his next big fight. And I hope you guys are really you know, appreciative of what's going on. We need to be a little more appreciative of the of the um of the greatness we're witnessing. Um, Canelo Alvarez again. He's thirty years old, and um, this is his fifty sissy fifty eighth fight. And the man is on the. He's no one in the world. And right now, you, I don't know who else you guys could say. Maybe Canelo is making his name for pound for pound best fighter in the world right now. Um, really enjoy seeing it, and I think he's gonna be back. You know, Cinco de Mayo weekend, which we need. I think boxing really needs our Cinco de Mayo back for for the Rasa, for us, for you know our culture. Boxing people tend to forget that boxing is a Mexican sport. Um, no matter who's on top, and that's just the way it's always been. We always had Warriors, Chavez, De La Hoya, before that. Man, we always, in the last 30, 40 years, been really dominated by that Mexican fighter. That's who brings the people, that's who the people come to see. We support that, no matter what race you are. And now he's going to be back on May 8th against Billy Joe Saunders, y'all, which is a great 
fucking bout. I'm telling you, we have the WBA, the WBC, and the WBO super middleweight title on the line against Billy Joe Saunders. And if you guys don't know who that is, he's 30 and 0, y'all. He's he's a UK fighter. You know, he's a nice southpaw. Maybe not the most, um, you guys probably don't, you know, he's not the most crafty guy in the ring. But he's being some guys. Willie Monroe, David Lemieux, Martin Murray, Andy Lee beat down Chris Eubanks. Saunders has definitely been around. The guy is a fighter. Again, he's 30 and 0. He's a piece of UK fire. These UK fires are not usually some knockout artists, but he, he is crafty. He is um he he could dissect a lot of things. He has the size. Um we shall see. Canelo is well aware that he wants to be he wants a legacy. Um he wants the legacy today. Uh, he wants the legacy forever. He wants to leave a lasting legacy in boxing, not just as a great Mexican fighter, but as a great fighter, period. So, Billy Joe Saunders, that's the next person lined up for him. Let's see how that goes. Uh, my prediction, I you know, I got to watch a little more Billy Joe. I've seen him fight. I'm a well, if you're a boxing fan, a real boxing fan, you're aware of what Billy Joe Saunders does. BJ's re- going to be ready to go, but Canelo, man, you guys can't deny it. The man's getting stronger. The man has great defense. The man is... He's, he's he he has a chip on his shoulder right now. I think the last couple um the last year or so of being inactive has put that chip on his shoulder. I'm really excited to see what Canelo does. Um I'm just really I'm really excited to see what boxing has in store for. We got some great boxing b- bouts coming up. I think it's going to be a real good time in boxing, man. I'm really appreciative and again, I want to give credit where credit's due. I'm a Mayweather fan, but if you see what what Canelo's doing right now in the boxing game, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, just being consistent, just being um well aware of the, the of the issues at hand and being aware of the legacy that he could um he could hopefully one day accomplish. Um I would love to see it. Uh after Billy Joe in the event he does win, which I think he is, does does GGG get that end of the summer fight? Does he get that September fight? I know September does he fight again in September and then again in December? Is that a possibility? You know, GG was looking a little bit slower, a little step or two slow his last bout. Does Canelo entertain that fight? Which I think he does. I think GG needs to get in there, though, show that he's still worthy of that fight. I think he's going to get it regardless, but I would love to see that. Um, does does, Her- does Errol Spence move up, move up and win and fight Canelo in September? And I'm from, if I'm Canelo, I'm going with the, you know, you got to, Fight who gives you the most money. Whatever makes the biggest impact on your legacy. So maybe GGG is not the guy for that. Maybe it is Errol Spence. That's, that's the fight to make, man. In my opinion, that is the fight to make. Um, I'm really excited for him. I'm really excited to see um, what's next in his career. And, um, man, y'all, I, wanted, I, I know I hate bringing down the mood. Um, I just wanted to give a big shout out, sadly. I know I, you know, there's some friends in life. There's some friends, you know, you know, back in the day that you're never going to forget. Some friends that you never, you always remember them. You know, when you see them, it's always love. It's not like it's been 10, 15 years since y'all talked. And man, I lost a friend today. Um, rest in peace, Byron Alvarado. Rest in peace, my guy. Um, you know, really, uh, when I seen that today, that that did bum me the fuck out. That made me sad. You know, seen him a few times after you know high school. We hung out. Then came to my birthday parties. Good guy, man. All around good guy. I know a lot of people. I'm, from, I'm I have mutual friends with him. You know, I see him. Seen him all the time on the Instagram. You no, know, always hyped each other up and shit. Love to work out. 
and uh, unfortunately he died last night and uh, man I'm just sad for his son I'm sad for his family prayers out to them of course and um, just real fast man rest in peace Byron Alvarado Mount Vernon Eagle baby since we were kids literally kids second third fourth grade been homies one of my first friends played basketball with each other me him Mike Magoo man Vincent Bertino Jeremy Kotinski what up y'all um, those are my first friends and Byron Alvarado is one of my first friends. And, um, damn, dude. Gone too soon. Just turned 30. And, you know, I'm right there, 30 now. So to see someone that young go and the way he went makes me sad, man. So I just want to say rest in peace to my old friend, Byron Alvarado. Crazy. You know, um, I think one thing I was, you know, I was talking about today, the longer we live, y'all, the more, you know, the longer we're blessed with this life that we live, the more death we're going to see. And that's just a fact. People are going to go all the time that we love, you know, people that we know, people that we're acquaintances with. The more we live, the more we're going to see of death. And that's just the way it is. You know, that's, that's part of that. There's always a, you know, a con to living. There's always, a, there's always a negative to everything, right? So rest in peace, Byron Alvarado. Um, miss you, my guy. Never will forget you, bro. Um, want to give a and then we can't have all sorrows. It can't be all sad, right? Want to give a big twenty third birthday shout out to my cousin Erica. I know my dad and my aunt are the only ones in the family. It was a small family on my dad's side, so my aunt had Erica, my first cousin, my lone first cousin on my dad's side. She turns twenty twenty three today. Good God, I can't believe she's twenty three years old. Really proud of the young woman that she has become. Um, so proud of her, you know, I felt bad because COVID took away her CSUB graduation, you know, we were supposed to celebrate that, we did, but it just wasn't the same, you know, um, really happy for you, Erica, everything you accomplished, you keep striving, you keep, um, you keep, um, being hungry, y'all, keep grinding, keep, um, reaching for whatever star you want to reach, keep reaching for that. Um, do things that that's never been done in our family. Do things that you know we we never thought dreamed of. There's so much out there that we have not done. Graduating college is awesome. Getting your your bachelor's now. Go to that master's. Go get your doctorate. Go do things that we've never done. It's in you. You're that's what you're meant to be. I want you to know that. I'm really happy for you, Shorty. I love you, and I want to give a big birthday shout out to my Tata Ernie. Big seventy one. EC one is seventy one. Oh God. And the man does not feel it, supposedly. But, man, he's worked so hard all his life. Tata, so appreciated to have another year with him, man. I think the older we get, the more aware that we're enjoying our grandparents. And, you know, Tata's been a hardworking man all his life. He loves his family. The man has no friends. The only thing he has is family. So, one of the best men I know. I'm, I hope to God that I'm able to become at least one-fourth of the man that he is. Tata's always helped us out. Tata's always loved his family. He's taught us family first. He taught us how to, you know, he used to take care of his mother for so long. Even when Nana was so, so sick, he was still over there doing his duty as a son. And he's a fucking stand-up guy. I'm so happy to be his grandson. Tata's a stand-up guy, dude. Don't take shit from anybody. He, he He's old school, but, man, you know, I love him. And 71st birthday to you, thought that if I had a shot of tequila, I would take one for you right now, my guy. So happy birthday to Tata, big 71. And I know it's not 71 days out yet, but Mortal Kombat 
is coming, you guys. We finally got a trailer. Good God. I've been waiting for this all my life. I remember my dad took us to fucking Mortal Kombat Annihilation on a hot check. That's how long ago it was. You can still write checks at the damn movie theater. Mortal Kombat came out, y'all. And, man, let me just... We're going to just do this right here because, you know, this is a podcast exclusive. You guys are getting the exclusive shit. Again, thank you guys for tuning in, man. Make sure you subscribe to us. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, wherever your favorite podcast is at. I promise you the STS Podcast is going to be there, and it's going to be amazing, man. I think we're going to uh, do everything we can to make sure it's special and maintain. It's going to be special, man. With these video podcasts, I think it's going to go really well. And, you know, the Mortal Kombat trailer came out, and let me just break it down for you guys a little bit. I want to watch it live on the podcast. So we got this scene here with Jax, it looks like, and it's awesome. The, 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 man, Sub-Zero looks so crazy, man. Just seeing him grab that shotgun, and it freezes after Jax fires it. And, man, it's beautiful. And then you see Sub-Zero, he's the one that takes off, he, he rips off Jax's arms. So cool, man. And you got this kid named Cole Young. Um, he's a new character. He's not in any of the video games. It looks like, you know, they're bringing him... Because he has the, the mark of the dragon on his chest. And it's pretty cool how they, you know, he looks like he's an MMA fighter. I see the dragon on his chest. And um, it looks like he may be selected for the Mortal Kombat tournament. They're telling him that it's, you know, that was meant to be. You see Melina walking possibly in Outworld. That's pretty cool. I really enjoy what they're doing here. The story they're telling you of Sonya. And then, man, the, the scene with Lord Raiden and Shang Tsung. It looks like that may be the first time they interact. Um. You know, and it's pretty cool how they're, you know, they're really putting a spotlight. And you see here with Scorpion and Sub-Zero, uh, it looks epic, y'all. It looks like everything I've ever wanted it to be. Real gore, has some cool-ass, you know, I'm not a big Kung Fu, a Kung Fu guy at all. But some good martial arts on here. Blood, fatalities. Man, it's rated R, which I think was the right way to go. Um, some things I noticed... John, it looks like Kano's gonna be a good guy, which I'm all for. Switch it up. What's if they're gonna do this? Let's switch it up. And sometimes we gotta take a risk. Um, Luke King looks fucking beautiful, man. Jax looks so dope. Uh, my favorite Mortal Kombat character of all time, man, is Kung Lao. So to see a, a, a real life adaptation of that on a movie, fucking beautiful. Love it. We have, you know, Lord Raiden. And you know what? It's not what the Lord Raiden that we're used to in the movies because that man was white. The Lord Raiden in the motherfucking games, that man's Asian. So I'm glad they put an Asian man for the, with the, with the, as a character here. Pretty cool. If you guys look here, I don't know if you guys even give a fuck about this, but I do. I look at everything. So we got, like, at 125, 125 for a split second, you get to see... Who's with Raiden? Who's, you know, I'm thinking maybe they're going to Outworld. Maybe, um, we see a lot here, actually, which is actually pretty cool. Check this out. If you look at the scene here, we got Kano, Liu Kang, Kung Lao, Cole, and Sonya Blade with Raiden here. But if you look at the right, the right-hand side, you see the fan. That looks like it's Katana's fan, which is awesome. That is so cool, man. So cool. Sub-Zero looks legit. 
Shang Tsung looks like a bad motherfucker, dude. Melina with the blood. And then, you know, I think at the one minute and 30 second, the one minute and 37 second mark, there's statue of Shao Kahn. And if you look real closely, it has the Mortal Kombat symbol on it, sledgehammer. So beautiful, man. So much attention to details, what they need in this movie. And Shao Kahn looks like a fucking god, man. So beautiful to see. And you see Shao Kahn or uh, Shang Tsung here looking like a young, a young Shang Tsung. I'm all for that. We need to do that. I got Melina and Sub-Zero in the background. And we have, man, Liu Kang is doing the fire dragon uh, fatality. And if you look at the left-hand corner again, you see like these, you see these swords. And if you know Mortal Kombat, that's Cabal all the way. And, man, I love seeing Johnny K. I mean, this guy right here, man, could be Johnny Cage. I don't know if they're going to have a Johnny Cage in this movie or is this Cole. But if you see what's going on with Goro or maybe this is just one of the guys that's a tune-up fight. Goro looks like a fucking beast, man. Sub-Zero looks so cool. Man, it's awesome what they're doing with this movie. The, the, the visual effects, the way it's shot. So beautiful. How does this fail? And I know I shouldn't be going in with such high expectations, but... The best part of this whole fucking trailer, when Sub-Zero cuts Scorpion's arm and his blood flies up, and this fool freezes his blood and stabs him with it, and it throws him against this fucking ice wall that he just created. It's fucking awesome. It's so cool, dude. It's it's amazing. And then, of course, the infamous kill over here. Fucking awesome, man. And then you see the, you know, the little Mortal Kombat title and symbol. It's pretty cool. Um... Finish him. My guy Jax is fucking this guy up. Melina comes with Shank. It looks like Sony is fucking up Melina with the kiss fatality. Scorpion stabbing some guy in the fucking head. And if you look real close here with Kano, he has this fucking reptile looking thing, which is actually a reptile, of course. He gets that punch in his fucking heart, punches straight through his chest cavity, and pulls out his heart. And he said I would. Fucking awesome, dude. April 16th, y'all. Mortal Kombat. I'm really excited. Predictions. Um, There's going to be a part two, for sure. Uh, Second thing. Cole Anthony. Cole Young. What the fuck his name is? Cole Anthony's a basketball player. Cole Young. Um, Let's see here. He's going to be the Sub-Zero that we see in part three with the, the brother of Sub-Zero. I think he's connected to the Lu the Quay somehow, some way. So that's going to be real fun to see. Uh, shout out to them, man. Shout out to them for doing that. I love it so much. I fucking, it's amazing what they're doing with Mortal Kombat. April 14th. Check that out, y'all. Um, March 1st. That was two nights ago. We stood up a little bit, you know, a little past midnight, waiting for this DVD, to come, this Netflix movie to come out called "I Got a Story to Tell," and man, I we could probably do a whole podcast on that. It was the Biggie story. It was an authorized version of the Biggie story. It had his mom on there. Had a puff, puffy. Had um, it had uh, sorry, can't. Chico was on there. Faith Evans was on there. Dot, oh, what's his name? Um, damn, D Dot. I think D Dot was his name. But man, uh, great story on Biggie. You really tells. I had no idea he was going every summer to Jamaica. That's where you could tell these, you know, these songs, especially those those life after death cuts. Biggie was just in a whole nother world. If God created a perfect MC, if God created a rapper, he cre- he would create in his image Biggie Smalls. That would be the perfect MC, the perfect rapper. And it's again, I think Little C said a line. 
you know, he did everything he can to take everybody out the hood but himself. He didn't make it out. And that was like, at the end of the DVD, you just feel that. And um, you hear the story about, you know, the same story. No, not the same story, but the story about how he had a crack underneath the table, underneath his bed. His mom thought it was mashed potatoes. Just, you know, he lived this life and, you know, it was kind of unbeknownst to his mom because his mom was a grinder. And you just see the struggle that he had to go through and just what he, the extent of what he went through as a drug dealer and just, you know, what people in that, those times, that crack era, that was, that was, that was a thing to do. You want to make this fast money and everybody, you know, you're not, you're going to have a endless amount of customers. It's going to be that wheels going to keep being real oiled. You want to do that, you know? And, um, it was a cool little story about how he made it out. And there was some, I had some grievances about it. I love D-Dot. And my guy Chico, man. Someone check up on my guy Chico from Junior Mafia. Um, he needed, he looks, he looks tough, man. He looks like he's going through something in life right now. And, you know, you, man, the saddest thing for me was, I didn't even know Biggie's grandma was still alive. So Biggie's grandma was saying, you know, I'm watching TV one day and someone comes on the TV and says that the Notorious B.I.G. was killed. See, that's my baby, and it's like, fuck, that hurt my soul, I feel, I feel, I feel what she's saying on that, you know, I really, I understand, and, um, that was crazy, and then, of course, you know, Miss Wallace is so, she's so articulate, she, she knows how to, she has you in her hands, she would be a great promo, she would do a great promo in wrestling, um, just telling her, telling her story, and, she said that she never listened to any of these albums that he dropped. He only listened, She only listened to the albums one time. That is crazy. And I believe her 100%. All the way. Um, grievances. I feel like um, I wish Kim was on there. Little Kim. I think she, as much as people don't like it, she had a she had a little bit to do with Biggie's career. Biggie blew her up. She's a legend. You have to have her on. And Oon, Lance. Uh, Lance Oon Rivera. If you guys know hip-hop, you guys know who Lance Rivera is. That's one of Biggie's guys. That's one of the guys he helped uh, get this label off before Biggie died. Oon's a, Oon is definitely someone that should have been on there talking about Big and what Big's got going on. I don't know if him and Puff have the best relationship right now, but Oon is someone I wanted to hear. Lance was a big factor in dealing with you know Biggie and his whole entourage, Junior Mafia. And you just see that he, the love he had for his for his boys, the love he had for his squad, you know that was beautiful, man. That was um that was real cool. Um, I love Biggie, man. Biggie's my favorite rapper of all time. So I'm, I'm I watched it twice already. It's a beautiful piece of work. I know they didn't really go into the controversy surrounding his death, the controversy of the beef with Tupac, um, and I understand, you know, that kind of drowns out the success that he had. But in my opinion, that he has that success because of those types of things, as ugly as they are. You know, Biggie, you know, the sacrifice that his life, you know, his life had to end for him to become that icon, become the Brooklyn Don, become um, the black Frank Wright, the black Frank White, or the only Christopher we acknowledge is Wallace. That's Biggie, that icon he became because the way he went out. And, you know, that's still unsolved. You know, that's still, you know, we know who did that, but officially it's unsolved. And I think his mother deserves that piece. I know that's, I'm, imagine that eats at her all the time that's her baby uh she only had one you know that was him so a great story y'all y'all should check it out man the biggie i got a story to tell just seeing him you know smoking talking the way he would be with his boys uh, just having fun man you just see he was so young when he died he was 24 years old man imagine being 24 when you go i didn't even i'm not doing half the shit i'm doing now i wasn't even thinking about what i'm doing now at 24 man i was still a kid 
And he left the impact so big, man. It's so sad that he wasn't able to see the impact he had on hip hop. And just, just that, like I said, the pockets, the syllables, the wordplay, um, the tone, the harmonies, everything that Biggie did on the mic was beautiful and so fucking perfect. And it came out so natural because it was like breathing to him, you know? So awesome time, man. Make sure y'all check that out. I got a story to tell. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to why we're here. This is the 71st episode of the STS Podcast. We call this JB. Um, I have my guy, Jay Balcar. He's a retired um, law, enforcement, law enforcement officer. Um, he is currently the head of the Executive Protection Division, actually, for Conor McGregor, um, UFC champ. Uh, that's his job. That's what he currently does. He is the bodyguard of Conor McGregor. And we're going to discuss that a little bit today. We're going to discuss that um, his journey to where he's at now. Um, really good interview, y'all. Hope you guys enjoy it. I know I loved it. And make sure you guys tune in, man. And I'll keep coming back. We're here every week. We got more guests coming next week. We're going to try to get this audio up or this video format for you guys. I hope you guys love it. Um, again, STS Podcast 661. My name is Ernie C., the Gap Tooth Genius. And let's get into this interview with hey, what's our up? guy. Ernie C, the Gap Tooth Genius. And I got with me my guy JB, episode 71. We just got we just got connected finally. How you doing, bro? Nice seeing you, Jay. Good brother. How are you, Ernie? It's been a long time, bro. Bro, it has been a long time. I think the last time we linked up was the Joshua. No, the the the, the, the uh, no, no, no. I saw you at the uh, the Weiler and the uh, at the JW. After, yeah. Was it the Wilder fight? That was after the Wilder and the Fury fight. We see, uh, yeah, I seen you at the JW, my guy. Yeah, yeah, that was a good time, bro. bro. Pure coincidence. That was a great fight, wasn't it? Dude, it was an awesome fight. Epic. Um, Did you think he was going to get up after that? Man, you know what? That, that second fight, I really thought uh, Deontay was going to bring it, bro. But... Yeah. uh you just never know, man, how guys prepare. You know, he obviously said that uh, his uniform was a little too heavy and uh, kind of slowed him down a bit. I don't know if that's an excuse or what, but uh, he got his ass knocked out. <laughs> and they always say the great fighters, they when, they when it comes to that second mount, that second bout, they always figure their opponent out. Just like yeah. did Madonna, just like Ward did Kovalev, and just like Fury did Wilder, bro. But, yeah, man, the first fight, that was the last time I seen you, bro. Um Thank you for coming on to the show, man. You always told me when it's episode 71, I'll make the stop to the podcast. So that's I that's, that's, 71 is my number, bro. I was born in 71. My my Instagram handle, jballer71. And when I played college football, that was my number as well, bro, 71. So 71 is a special number to me, man. That's why I said when he hit 71, hit me up, bro, and I'll be on the show. You're a man of your word too, bro. You did it. You said, "Yeah, let's make it happen." I think I give you like a week ago, like, "Yo, 71's around the corner. Are we still gonna do this?" So yeah, I appreciate it so much, Jay, for you coming on, my guy. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt, bro. No doubt. Um, but I, we can give the people a quick intro. I know they don't know exactly where you know how we became friends and whatnot. We had some mutual colleagues, some mutual family. Um, they were together for a while, and we just linked up, man. I think. I really just was gravitated towards your friendship was really clicked. Um, and, you know, I think you you stayed too. You knew my, my pops in the past too, you, you know. Uh, are you currently in Bakersfield? You, you, you're, you live in downtown now, right? I'm in Ventura. Ventura, okay, okay. So yeah, I yeah, I've been in Ventura for like probably the past six years, man. But yeah, your, your pops and I, we used to work together, man, over at Kern County Probation. Okay. And we've been, man, linked up ever since, bro. And you've helped me. Like I said, the fun fact, 
We know when I was doing my rapping thing, you're very supportive of that, bro. Um, I appreciate you. I think I've told you several times, but man, I appreciate you. Well, you know what, man? The, the one thing I liked about you, Ernie, was your hustle, bro. You know what I mean? Your hustle and, uh, and that's something a lot of kids your age ain't doing these days, man. So when I see young guys like yourself, man, hustling, putting in the grind, um, I got to support that, man. You know what I mean? Because you're talking through actions and actions speak volumes in my, my language, bro. So hats off to your brother and keep doing what you're doing, man. And um, yeah, bro, actions, that's kind of just one of the things, bro. I think people need to forget that this, this is all wood. We, we got to chop the wood. This shit just doesn't get built. We got to chop the wood. Build what we have to build. So um, again, I appreciate you, man. You helped me out with the rapping thing. You've always been a supporter, bro. So you coming on the podcast and just what you do. I was like, well, I think people really um, love to hear your story a little bit, Jay. I would love to yeah, hear no doubt. about you a little more. I don't know how many podcasts you've done your whole, you know, your, your life. You said this is your second time on Zoom. So welcome to Zoom, bro. This is where it's at. Thank you, bro. Thank you. I, think- yeah, I, don't, do, I don't do too many of them, Ernie, only because, you know, the line of work that I'm in, uh, a lot of confidentiality. And a lot of my clients have me sign these non-disclosure agreements, the NDAs. So, um it's hard for me to really talk about the nitty gritty of what I do and stuff. And a lot of people who have these podcasts, uh, that's what they want to hear. And, and if I can't give them that, it kind of, to me, it's a little bit boring. But you and I have a bit of a, a different history than some of these other guys, you know. So uh, we, we have a past and stuff. So you know me, I know you, and uh, we could definitely chop it up, bro. Yeah, bro. So how have you been, my guy? We don't. We, we can just talk about life. How's life going for you? Uh, you know what, man? I've been good, bro. Uh, shoot, I retired two years ago, man. So you know, uh, I'm just chilling out here in Ventura, man. Uh, got my RV and uh, just traveling a bit. You know, got some grandkids now. Family is growing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've been busy, bro. I've been busy, man. But uh, but I can't complain, man. God's been good, and uh, and I'm, I'm really blessed. How's the grandpa life been, bro? I know that's a different world. That's because I see it now. My dad, it's like a different side of you a little bit, right? It does, bro. It does, man. You don't know true love until you see them damn grandkids, bro. I mean, you know, I love all my kids, man. I love, I love them to death, bro. When you have them grandkids, it's like, you know, you're a wiser man now. You could definitely learn from your mistakes. Um, and at the end of the day, it's all about love, man. You know, you come to realize, you get a point at your age where, you know, you know it's... Uh, you know, the more love you give, the better off it's going to be, man. So, you know, now you're in a position emotionally, financially to give that to those kids, man. So uh, I'm blessed, man. I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. That's good, bro. I'm glad, man. I'm glad you're doing well, bro. It's, like, it's been a while since we've seen each other, but, man, you yeah. look, you're doing great, though, man. I see, you know, we're always talking on Instagram and whatnot. I'm always like, man, I'm happy for you, bro. You always, been, you, you've always been a hustler and grinder too. Don't I think when people see you as executive protect, you know, doing bodyguard work, that's not just what you do. You've always been kind of um, an entrepreneur. You've always been a grinder. You've always been like more than one lane. You you always done several things. Um, yeah, you, you know where I grew up, Ernie. You had to, man. You know, I grew up in Jersey, um, North Jersey, close to New York City. I wasn't born in this country, man. I came here when I was a year old. So you know, I I could appreciate people especially here in California, you have a lot of uh, Latino population. They're not born in this country. They're coming in from Mexico. Um, they're working hard. They don't understand the language. A lot of these kids, they're interpreting for their parents. You know, they're filling out their, their pay stubs, their bills, their taxes. Um, and that's a lot of pressure on the kid. And I know because I was there, you know what I mean? So, um, 
yeah, I mean, when you have to live like that, um, there is a sense of uh, hustle and grind that's instilled in you at a very young age. And like I said, I saw in yourself, and that's what kind of gravitated me towards you as well, man. So, um, but you know, ha having that experience, I guess you could say, as a kid, um, yeah, it's it's gonna give those values in, in you as, as far as grinding and hustling. And I've always had it. It's never left me, man. Uh, to this day, man, I'm always thinking of ways like, what can I do to make something better? Or, you know, time is valuable, man. So I don't want to use it sitting on my hands. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm retired now. I probably don't have to work and do all these things, but I just can't sit still, Ernie. <laughs> like, I would imagine so, dude. Um, you, you're not used to see, That's not your, your DNA, just sitting still kind of enjoying your uh, do something different, elevate things, you know? Yeah, exactly, bro. Exactly, man. So where exactly were you, where were you born at, Jad? I never asked you that question, actually. Where, where were you, where's your family from originally? originally? My, my, my family's originally from Russia, southern Russia, by Chechnya. Okay, okay. So, uh, Czech, I remember, I, do you remember when they had the Olympics in Sochi? Yes. Yeah, that's basically uh, my homeland, where, where my ancestors are from. So uh, our nationality is called Circassian. A lot of people haven't heard of that, but we came over in the early 70s. Um, there was a, a famous uh, author by the name of Leo Tolstoy, who was Russian. His daughter, uh, Alexandria Tolstoy, she was pushing for, for rights, basically, that we had here in America, freedom of speech, freedom of religion in Russia. And um, she basically was thrown out of Russia for that effort. But because of her efforts, she won the Nobel Peace Prize. And when you do win the Nobel Peace Prize, what comes with that is a million dollar grant. Mm -hmm. So what she did with her money was she created the Tolstoy Foundation and that gave displaced Russians like my mom and dad and other Russians around the world an opportunity to come to America or to Australia. So my parents chose to come to America in 1972 when I was a year old. So I've uh, been here ever since, man. God, God bless her and God bless this country. See, that's kind of what people don't really understand the, I guess, you know, the hardship in other countries like that, where we don't have these freedoms. We're kind of, I don't want to say we take them for granted, but I think we take them a little bit for granted that, you know, things could have been way different for you. Jay, I had no idea you were born in Russia, bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been way different, man. And I always tell people, man, do you think it's bad here? You know what I mean? You should try to go to some of these third world countries and see yeah. what life is like, man. Fighting for your life to get to a spot like this, and you're blessed to yeah. do that. So, Definitely, man. So when you talk about the grind and that hustle and stealing you, what does that exactly detail when you're coming up? What moments do you remember coming up as a kid that, you know, you realize I have to go get it because no one's going to give it to me, especially if, you know, you know how it is, too. When we're not once we're not a certain color, we have, we have, you know, we have burdens on our shoulders. We have, we're, yeah. we're, back, we're you know, we're playing against the eight, the black, uh, the eight ball here, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. But, you know, I can remember early on, Ernie, uh, being in third, fourth grade delivering newspapers. You know what I mean? Uh, in, in, in North Jersey. I mean, it's not the safest place in the world, but, you know, me and my brothers would go out there and deliver these newspapers. And not only do you have to deliver newspapers, but you got to collect the money at the end of the week. So you'd be going to people's houses and you don't know who they are. They could be <laughs> whoever. And here we are, third and fourth graders. Um, but yeah, if we didn't work, bro, you know, we didn't get the nice sneakers. We didn't get the stuff that we needed. And, and you know, me and my brothers, we all played sports as well, man. So my parents were in that position to be able to, to buy those things for us. So we had to get them ourselves, man. And like I said, a lot of that just was hard work, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
we got another, we kind of skip ahead a little bit towards, when did you come to Cali? Did you go, did you graduate from high school in Cali or were you out there in Jersey the entire time? You know what happened, Ernie? Um, my senior year, I, I was playing football and I wanted to play at the college level. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't have the grades. And they had just passed a proposition saying that if you wanted to play at the NCAA level, you had to have a 2.0 grade point average or 700 on the SATs. And I didn't have either of those. So what that meant was I had to go to junior college and play football. And on the East Coast at that time, we didn't have any junior college football teams. So my options were either go to Texas, California, or Utah. And uh, in 1988, uh, Bakersfield College was number one team and number one junior college team in the nation. So I came to play football at uh, Bakersfield Community College in 1989. So that's how I ended up at Bakersfield. I did not know that, Jay. That's yeah. Yeah. game. Still trying to get out of BC, though. That's not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a good program, man, good school. I was just shocked by. Uh, by the type of athletes that were at Bakersfield College, I thought, man, junior college is going to be a joke. You know, ain't going to be no athletes there. But, man, you know, they had the best of the best. A lot of those players ended up going to a D1 school. Some even went to the pros, man. So uh, my hat's off to that school, man. Yeah, dude, you'll be surprised. I even tell kids now, you know, culture basketball. JC, basketball is a, it's a whole different speed than high school ball. you got to be a baller to adjust to that and be able to play at that speed. Like, Oh, yeah. They're no joke that those kids are just D1 athletes who, like you said, didn't have the grades, didn't have um, sometimes the money to get to where they had to go to. This is their start. Like you said, that was your foundation. After, yeah. did you play your entire, you know, the two years out there? How did that foot, how, how did the football thing kind of end? You know what, man? Um, I ended up playing one there, and then I went up to uh, Minot State University in North Dakota uh, on a full ride scholarship. So, um, Played for them for three years and uh, ended up getting my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Uh, first person in my family to get a college degree. So I was really proud of that. And, um, you know, it was amazing, you know, coming from high school where I wasn't that good of a student, but it wasn't because I wasn't smart. It was just that my, it wasn't my priority. Mm -hmm. And once it became a priority, um, really uh, got good grades and, and graduated to the top of my class, basically, uh, when I left Minot State University. When you figured, you know, of course, football is going to get that gateway to your education now that you got your education, right, your bachelor's. Did you know you wanted to go into law enforcement? Um, I know you stated earlier you were at, you know, Kern County Probation. How did, you, how did you get inspired to become, I guess, part of the law, the law enforcement community? You, you know, originally, Ernie, I wanted to be a social worker, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, you know, I just wanted to help people, man, because a lot of people helped me along the way. So, um I always felt that I need to give back, you know what I mean? And I thought social work would be the way, but um, and God bless their souls, man. When I found out how much they were making, I was like, man, I can't do this, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, someone else told me, hey, you can, you know, do this in law enforcement and, and, you know, maybe get into probation or parole. So I figured, you know, let me go that avenue. And, uh, and yeah, Kern County Probation, man. I ended up uh, putting an application with those guys. And, uh, they hired me in, what, 1994, I think. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I'm familiar with probation. That's, dude, that's a great career. Pops just retired too, just like you, like two years ago. Wow, like, man. Yeah, dude, he was there for about twenty what, nine, since probably ninety four, ninety five. Um, yeah. Never stopped, and just that two two years ago, dude, just retired. So I, I understand exactly 
where you said social workers compared to the probation officers, yeah, they make a little more dough. <laughs> after probation, how did what was what was what was the stage after the probation life? How long were we with the probation department? I was with probation about eight years, man, and then uh, jumped over to the state. Um, you know. What, what a probation officer does and what a parole agent does, they're, they're pretty synonymous to, to one another. I mean, they mirror each other, but the state's pay was a lot more than the county's pay, man. So I had to jump ship and get on with the state and uh, was with them for about 15 years, man, before I left. Is that where you retired? Yeah. yeah, I retired from the state uh, as a parole agent. Um, spent most of my time in East L.A., so I was down there. Uh, Dealing with those guys, you know, mainly a gang uh, caseload. I did have a few sex offender uh, caseloads here and there, but, uh, but you know, it was, it, it was good, man. You know, coming from New Jersey, uh, living in a big city, it was nice getting into East L.A. because um, um, just the culture, you know, I was very familiar with the culture of the city and, and um, dealing with the minority base uh, was nice as well because, you uh, you know, a lot of the parents of parolees, uh, they didn't know where to turn to or don't know how to ask for help. Some of them are real proud, don't want to ask for help. Um, so, you know, breaking those barriers down and trying to assist people in, in the stuff that they need was really uh, just something I couldn't put a price tag on, man. You know, till this day, I got people calling, you know, hey, babe, Alcar, man, I'm, I'm doing this, I'm working, I, you know, I got a house, you know, I got married. Yeah, um, and you know, again, to me, that's that's that makes it all worthwhile. There's no no money, no check in the world that, that can make you feel how you feel when you get them phone calls. Definitely, bro. That's really rewarding, man. That's something I've seen too. Yeah. For him. Hey, you changed my life. You know that one. You're on my ass, but you changed my life, and I'm. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm sure it's rewarding. Um, I know a lot of my friends now pursuing probation officers. They want to be a probation officer. They want to be in law enforcement. Just show them some love. What would be some advice to somebody who is thinking about being a probation officer or making the move? Because, you know, they, that you're familiar with that. They're still making a move from probation to parole agent. That's still going on frequently throughout the department. Yeah. What would be your advice to them if, they, if they're thinking about making a move to probation or making the leap from probation to parole? Well, you know, if you get on probation or parole, um, either or, I mean, you definitely got to stay out of trouble. I mean, you know. Marijuana is pretty much legal these days, but I guarantee you, you know, you, you get a ticket for, for driving under the influence of marijuana or even alcohol, uh, you can kiss those jobs pretty much goodbye. So you have to make good decisions early on, um, stay out of trouble, um, handle your business, you know, show those agencies that you're a responsible individual and you're the type of person that they want to invest in. Because at the end of the day, you're an investment, you know, you're an investment to either the county or to the state. And uh, if you're not bringing, 100% to the table, don't expect 100% at the end of the day, you know what I mean? But, you know, as far as getting a probation, um, education is pretty much that and, and experience. You know, um, I know a lot of probation officers when they were going through that process, getting their education, they'd work over at the hall um, and spend some time there. Some would volunteer, some would get paid. Um, but, you know, you invest something like that and get to know people. Um, Trust me, especially a place like Kern County, um, if you know people, it's definitely going to help you in the long run. As far as probation, going to parole, um, same thing. Just, you know, do, do a good job as a probation officer. Try to get as many um, certifications, credentials, pats on the back, you know, uh, good, good letters from your supervisors and stuff and, uh, and get to know parole agents, you know what I mean? Because they'll tell you 
how to study for a test, you know, uh, when the test is going to be. And if you do pass the test, they can put in a good word for you as well. And, uh, because, you know, now that you're leaving the county and going to the state, they can pretty much place you anywhere in the state. And we don't live in a small state, as you know, you know, it's a large ass state, man. So okay. just because you got that state job don't mean you're going to be working in Bakersfield. You could be going up to Placerville. You could be going down to San Diego. Um, so like I said, it's good to know people and keep your nose clean and uh, just work hard, man. Cause I'm a firm believer that hard work pays off no matter what you're doing, man, whether you're a probation officer, whether you're a rapper, whether you're an athlete, yeah. Hard work's always going to pay off at the end of the day. Definitely. Let's talk about making connections. You can kind of just slide to, you know, you're, you are a bodyguard, um, executive protection, right? How did you get into that line of work? Was that through your law enforcement connections? Like you say, you always make connections, networking. How did you venture into that? Again, I know no specifics, but like maybe your first client, who was that? Things like that. Yeah, it's, it's funny you asked that question. I was just talking about this the other day. My first client, Ernie, not really a client, but actually getting my foot in the door into executive protection, dealing with artists and athletes was in 1991 <laughs> at the Ventura County Fairgrounds with um, um, Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. Wow. Yeah, that was the first, first ever person that I worked for, man, was Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. And I remember they had me up on stage and uh, Jerry Garcia came up to me, goes, hey, a lot of these people are going to be giving you stuff to give to me. He's like, just put them on the side. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm, I'm naive, young kid, you know, I was, couldn't have been more than 19 years old at the time. I thought it was just going to be like flowers or chocolates or something like that. These guys were giving them acid, mushrooms, weed. <laughs> Everything under the umbrella. Every drug you could imagine. And a lot of these guys... Uh, and, you know, that, that was an eye-opener for me to Ernie and that um, a lot of these people that were there, they looked like hippies, mm -hmm. but they weren't. You know, there were doctors, there were attorneys, you know, successful people, you know, and, you know, not, not only in, in Ventura, but around the world coming to see Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. So, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. You know what I mean? Like you see something and you know, your first instinct is, oh, he, you know, he's broke or he's a loser, this and that. You just don't know yeah. what's behind that shield, man. You know what I mean? And, and these guys, like I said, they, they were bringing me stuff, but most of them were doctors and, and lawyers and stuff. And uh, it was a great experience, man. And having done that, it kind of uh, kind of motivated me to, to want to do more of that once I was able to get all my credentials and everything out of the way. But once I got into law enforcement, uh, that transition was very easy, Ernie, because, you know, L.A., I think I, I read something that there's over 35, uh, I want to say 35,000 millionaires mm -hmm. in L.A. County. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the need for protection, executive protection is great. So if you have the credentials, a badge, and you can carry a weapon concealed and you got a little size to you, you can find work all day long, man. The path is a little easier when you have the attributes that you have, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot easier, man. And then, like I said, you get to know people, and if they see you're a solid worker, and uh, you're on time, and, you know, you handle yourself well, there, there's more work uh, than, you, than you can imagine in this industry. Jerry Garcia, that's a hell of a debut gig, bro. Yeah, no doubt, bro. I was blessed, what, man. What's one of your biggest um, memories with him or just being around him in the band? You know, the, the, the one I just explained, I mean, that, to me, that was the biggest one. I and mean, then Jerry himself told me, 
said, you know, if anyone gets out of line, just be careful, you know, and how you handle them, because a lot of them are professionals, you know, a lot of them are doctors and attorneys, and you don't want to twist up the wrong guy, you know. Um, and again, that, that was an eye opener too. And in our line of work, um, liability is a big thing, you know what I mean? Because um, you handle someone the wrong way, or you twist them up, and you hurt them, and um, you know, next thing you know, you're getting sued, and uh, you got to be able to justify your actions. You know what I'm saying? Definitely, bro. After Jerry, what was um how did, what was the next couple of years looking like in in that in that uh in I guess you could say that area you're working bodyguard? What was that next level? I was like, okay, this is what I this is this is gonna happen now. This is a long term thing. You know, I started doing like the uh, the award shows. You know, I was doing uh, the BET Awards, the Golden Globes, the Oscars. Um, I do the idea, Jay. That is beautiful. That's yeah. Dude, that's yeah, crazy. I did all that, man. And then I was doing the, uh, you remember the, the dub show? Yes, yes. Right? Yeah, so I was doing security for them, too. And uh, go to that frequently. I was a little younger when I could still hang. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> love the dub show. The dub show, bro. So, you know, I'd be out there having the artists in the back and stuff. Uh, but um, that kind of parlayed, you know, the, the, the shows are fun, but, you know, it's a lot of standing around on your feet. Uh, I wanted to get into something more one-on-one -on -one with the client and stuff. And then that happened probably like in the, uh, in, my, in the mid nineties, started working for Charlie Sheen and uh, with his ex-wife, Brooke Mueller. So I was uh, executive protection for her and Charlie's two kids, uh, the two twin boys, Max and Bob. Mm -hmm. So um, did that for, for a year or so. Um, she jumped on with uh, did Marilyn Manson for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Then went off to and uh, was with Rihanna for, for a bit. And then uh, my guy, Conor McGregor, showed up and uh, they told me he was looking for security. So uh, we kicked it off real well and uh, pretty much been working with Conor ever since, man. Uh, last uh, six years or so, it's been nothing but Conor, man. So uh, I handle his uh, security here in America. So anytime he's here in the States, whether it be Vegas, New York, uh, here in Cali, uh, you'll see me next to him <laughs> how has that been you know what's we could start Merlin manson i you know what's the biggest misperception if we could talk about that about him like, is he a giver is he a good is he really a good guy at heart is what's the biggest you know especially with this day and age you know how things are what's his biggest misperception about him that you could the biggest misperception about Merlin and manson is he's a very smart guy yeah, he's very educated. Um, I think he's got a master's degree or, or something like that. But uh, he's he's definitely a smart guy, man. And he can hold a good conversation and uh, he could talk to us about anything. But that uh, nice guy and everything. I don't work with him too long because um, uh, uh, Rihanna came on scene. And, uh, but, you know, to me, that was a better uh, gig than working with Marilyn. Because at the time, you got to remember, I was still working as a probation. I mean, I'm sorry, not a probation, but as a parole agent. Mm -hmm. um, so it was hard for me to travel, you know, with a lot of these clients that required to leave, you know, the state and get out there and days, travel. Days so, at a time, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of days. And, you know, you can only burn up so much vacation time until, you know, the department's asking you questions and stuff. So, um, uh, that kind of, is there anything or probation that kind of says, hey, you can't, how do I say this? Um, well, I know my job. Hey, you can't get off my job to go work for another job. You know, you can't go for another paying gig. Is there anything like that in your line of work? Like, 
you know, with probation, I'm not too sure about. I wasn't really doing it that much at probation, but uh, when I got on with parole, uh, you have to fill out a secondary employment form and it had to be approved. So that allowed you to go ahead and work a secondary job. Um, but, you know, the longer uh, I worked for parole, um, the more they started cutting back on that. So they weren't giving them out as freely as they were when I first got on there. And uh, that's kind of what, one of the reasons I retired kind of early as well, so I could pursue uh, the private industry. With Connor, how has that experience? Because I see, dude, yeah, I mark out what I see you, though, just even for the Mayweather McGregor card, dude. People, you know, like, uh, and you, you wouldn't know talking to you because you don't really talk a lot about it. I'm learning a lot about you now. All of our conversations have been about life, you know, our the families, you know, we hang, our families we're with. Well, you never yeah. said, hey, my guy, I'm over here doing, I'm doing a bodyguard. <laughs> you wouldn't know. And that's kind of, we'll talk about that a little bit too. Old school mentality of law enforcement. You don't even mention your line of work. You don't mention your career. You just, you know, you just staying grounded, staying humble. But we never really talked about that. But when I'm seeing you on TV with McGregor, Connor, I'm like, yo, that's my guy, Jay. You wouldn't even know. Like, this is really my friend here. Like, what's what's going on? I didn't know. I knew you were deep in the game, Jay. I knew you were involved. I didn't know it was really, again, you never really talked about it. You never, that's why I'm glad you're on the podcast with me. We'll talk about it now. You never really, you know, not brag about it, but you, it's not the first thing that comes out your mouth. You know, you're a family man. You're a hustler. You're trying to encourage and help others. How is that? you know, the last six years been with Connor and just being exposed. That was the biggest probably sporting event in America at the time, ever. How was it part of that? It, it was amazing, Ernie, man. Um, and to, to, to be able to uh, have the responsibility and the trust, you know, to, to walk his second belt into the ring, uh, that was probably the highlight of my career, you know, as far as uh, doing what I'm doing. But um but yeah, I mean, it's 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 something I, I don't like to brag about or anything like that. I mean, if, if people see it, they see it. If they don't, they don't. I really don't care. I mean, my priority is my family, my kids, and uh, paying the bills at the end of the day. Um, you know, I can care less about the fame and all that stuff, man. But uh, but it's been nice, you know. So sometimes I'll go somewhere and say, "Hey, aren't you Connor's bodyguard?" Blah blah blah. And I'm like, I'm, uh, I don't think it's anything special, but <laughs> to some people it is, I guess. But um, but it's been an amazing. Uh, journey with him man you know he's, he's a real nice guy and uh, I was just blessed to have known him you know prior to all that you know what I'm saying and watching him grow as an individual as a human as a father you know father of two kids now third on the way um, and you know he was just a, a young kid like anyone else looking for advice and help and uh, and I you know I was just honored that uh, he chose me to to kind of work with uh, there's other guys out there working with him at the time uh, but uh, like I said, I was blessed uh, to, to be around him and experience all those things, man. So it's definitely an honor. So when someone says, hey, Jay, you know, you got this reputation. I want you to take care of me. I want you to be my bodyguard. What do you tell him? What's your pitch? Like, what can, how, how do you, how are you so great at your job? You know, you take this, this is a serious job. You're, you're in charge of someone's potential life. What do you tell them that's to reassure them I'm the man for the job? You know, I don't tell them anything, Ernie. It's just all about actions, man. You know what I'm saying? They see me work. Um, they see my work ethic. Um, if the gig starts at 6, I'm there at 525, man. You know what I mean? To, to be early for me is to be on time, and to be on time is to be late, man. So everything that they're seeing is, is based on my actions, you know what I mean? And uh, as far as security goes, you know, it's, 
it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. You know what I mean? And uh, we live in a world today where there's a lot of craziness going out there. You know what I mean? And if you're carrying a Rolex or they, they know you've got money or something like that, um, people aren't afraid to make that hit these days. And, and I'd be lying to you, Ernie, if I told you I was the only one providing security for these people. You know, it's a team effort. You know what I'm saying? It's not just one guy. I mean, you got to do the advanced work. You know, you got to have people that are behind you working behind the scenes too. I mean, mm-hmm. what you see on TV, Ernie, that's the end result. Mm-hmm. Uh, leading up to those, to the fight, I mean, we got eight or nine guys on the security team, especially that Mayweather fight. I mean, you're talking about 15, 20 people on the security team. You know what I mean? So uh, we're hiring the best. You know, we're getting people out there to uh, to assist so at the end of the day everything is smooth you know you don't hear stories about this guy got jacked or uh you know they were late or they got lost uh, none of that's going to happen on my watch man definitely that's, again being being punctual is something i think whoever's watching this yes you need to be punctual in anything you're passionate about that's kind of what yeah. my game thing bro five o'clock i'm there at 3 30 because i knew like you said you see the end result here all set up, but there's some things that we got to take care of. We got to run through the motions one couple of times to make sure mm-hmm. we don't have hiccups. So, dude, that's a beautiful gym. I love gyms on the podcast, man. I love gyms. Yeah. <laughs> um, quick, I don't know if we can answer. If we can't, we can't. We, it's cool. So, you know this whole, I don't know, what what fight was it when Homeboy hopped in the ring and whatnot and, you know, they had that little melee with the Connor fight. Was it? Um, was Khabib. It? Khabib. Khabib. How was that something that really, how much did that piss you off that that situation could have been unavoidable could have been avoided 100 percent oh it pissed me off greatly man because you know we had met with the ufc a few days prior to that and uh they, they were a little bit buzz sore because of what happened in new york uh i don't know if you remember that bus incident yeah so we had connor had a little bus incident there uh, so uh either i don't i'm not some, i'm not a big ufc fan but i'm sure it's something deeper there right i'm sure yeah i mean you know the, the khabib was on the bus and connor basically attacked the bus in new york city at the barclays center and uh so ufc was a little bit upset about that and they put a little blame on, on, the, on the security team too saying that you know we should have prevented it or stopped it or this and that so when it came down to fight night you know a few months later um they basically wouldn't allow UFC, uh, not UFC, but Connor's security team to basically be inside the arena. So we had to be inside the locker room, you know, while this was going on. And uh, we kind of told them too, like, hey, you know, a lot of their guys, you know, even though they're not acting as security, they're his security, but they're in the corner with him. You know what I mean? So uh, if anything happens, we want to be nearby just to kind of help out. And it's not like, you know, we're just thug security guys you know everyone on the security team has law enforcement experience i mean so we you know we're all there to, to basically make sure everything goes smoothly we don't want any problems not like we're going to instigate anything but you know they decided to go against it and that was the end result you know was, was that and yeah it was it was a tough night it was a tough pill to swallow but um life goes on you learn from those experiences and uh, hopefully they're not repeated you know well, what I mean? that's a learning experience in your in your eyes right good or bad yeah. learning experience yeah everything's a learning experience you know you, if you think you know everything whether it be djing or, or uh, security then 
and you know your your mentality is not, is not where it needs to be because you know you don't know anything. It's, you can always learn from any experience, and and the more you know, the better you're going to be in the long run because of it. Definitely, bro. So with retirement now, Jay, what have you do? What have you been doing now with the extra time? You know, I don't know how what your schedule was like, of course, for parole. But now that you retired, you had this free time. What? How has it been? Is this kind of like what you kind of always manifested it to being? Like I'm going to retire at this age. Just do my, you know, doing bodyguard work, doing entrepreneur things. We're still talking about right now. Like, how is that dream of yours playing out so far? Well, let me ask you a question, Ernie. Have, have you seen this thick beard right here? How's it look, man? You all have an awesome beard, my dude. I'm always giving you props for that. Yes. You know, it doesn't come easier or normal. You know, it comes because, oh, because of my beard bomb. I like it, man. Baller bomb. Okay. Yeah. When your beer needs to be money. That's it, man. I got, I got three cents. Um, Ernie, this one here is red panty night. So it's, a, it's a nice light musk scent. I also, I also got the boss man, which is a heavier musk. And I got lemon head. You know, lemon head is more, uh, it's a lemony flavor, but it's more uh, therapeutic, I guess you could say. But, you know, these beer bombs, I mean, they're all organically made. Everything in it is organic. And you could eat the damn thing if you wanted to, but it's not going to taste good. But, you know, we got we got castor oil in there. It's going to help, you know, underneath the beard. We got Moroccan Aragon oil, which helps as far as wrinkles and beard growth. You know, I've had women, I've had women buy this product on, on my website and um, they put on their eyebrows to help with the growth of their eyebrows. And they said it was work, man. So it's been amazing. Uh, I've kind of been doing this now that I've been retired. Um, if, if it's something any of your uh, listeners want to get into, they can go to my Instagram handle, which is jballer71, and it's in the link. Just click the link in the bio, and I'll take you to Etsy. Or you can go to Etsy, Baller Beard Bomb, one word, and uh, check it out right there, man. Hey, that's a question. That's what I've been doing, Ernie. That's beautiful, bro. I love it. Like, I love it. That see again yeah, that's and you get this nice case to go with it, man. You know what I mean? So who gave you the idea for this? Jay, I love it. Like not a lot this not often you see that. I like that. And beards are I can't grow one, but beards are the theme, bro. That's the fashion. You know, you know I've, I've always had the goatee, man. I've had this goatee price in 1991, man. Yeah. You know, sometimes it gets out of hand. So I was experimenting with beard bombs, but um most of them didn't have a nice scent or just uh, just didn't work right. So I, you know, I figured, you know, let, let me try to get in this line of work, man, because I was passionate about it. I like beard bombs and, and I like how these, you know, if, if they're done right, how they smell on the beard. And um, so I started adding my own scents to it. You know what I mean? So like the boss man, you're going to get more of that Tom Ford. It has a Tom Ford hint of cologne in there. So it's a nice smell. So you're not only putting the beard bomb on, but you get a nice smell. And um, with the um, with the um, with the boss man, like I said, you get that nice aroma, and you get the beard nice and shiny and smooth. And with the red panty, now you're gonna get that lighter musk. You know, if you like um, if you like um, some of the colognes that are out there, as far as um, Calvin Klein or or, or Boss or, or Gucci. Uh, you're definitely gonna like the red pan. Definitely, man. I like it, bro. I mean, we'll definitely play that all week on the podcast, man. We're gonna do that. I'm, I'm gonna support you, bro, as much as you supported me, man. 
I appreciate you, brother, man. Real, real fast, too. This is what we talked about helping people. How important is still to help people? Um, that's what you've always done. Like I said, um, just for the listeners, I was, what, 22, 23? We, you know, we kicked it off, and you often have any help with anything because, you know, I had a, a record label at the time. You always helped me out, bro. You always, you know, I'll never forget that. No, probably to you, you know, you just that's another D, but to me, that meant a lot. Even if you guys look at the rap game video now, which I, it's still love once in a while, I'll show people once in a while, that car, the whipper was yours. That's your car. People don't know that. You let me borrow your car. You didn't, dude, you didn't even think twice about it. Like, here, come back when you're done. I'm like, fuck, all right, hey, bro, we got a car. We got to use this now. Like, I will never forget that, Jay. Like, I, man, dude, again, from my heart, man, um, you always show me love. Even when we're out and about, sometimes we see each other, it's always like it hasn't been a it hasn't been that long since we um, linked up. It's like we, off the off the beat, you know. Never missed a beat. Yeah. Even with this podcast, I think you're just catching up. You're my guy, and I really appreciate yeah, you, bro. I appreciate you too, Ernie, man. And uh, you know, I'm a firm believer. You treat people the way you want to be treated, man. You treated me with nothing but respect as well, bro. So um, just keep grinding, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. But you know, as far as helping people out, man, it's it's our civic duty. I, I believe. You know what I mean? Whether you know, you're me or you, um, you got to help the next generation, man. You know what I mean? Because if, if there's an old saying, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. So, you know, we got to teach these young kids, man, you know, how to become successful, what they need to do to stay out of trouble. Um, and a lot of them are growing up these days without that foundation that you had or that I had. So they need help more than ever. You know what I mean? I was fortunate enough. I grew up with my mom and dad in the house. Um, and most of my friends around me had that. You know what I mean? We were the majority, but as my kids, I noticed were going to school. That wasn't the majority anymore. Most of them were coming from broken homes or some some parents were missing or not in the picture. Or some are even being raised by their grandparents. So, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have different expectations growing up than someone like, like yourself or me. And it's, it's very important to, to give back to people, not only that are going through something like that, but uh, even the elderly, you know what I mean? It's, it's very important as people get older to, to be able to assist them and the stuff that they need because you know i'm a believer in karma man you know what i mean you, you put that out you put that effort out into the world and then you, you're going to get more in return man jay I, you hit it right on the nail but i you know my grandparents are getting older now um we were just you know my grandpa's birthday was yesterday bro and this is something i'll probably talk about this week big 71 you know it's my dad ec1 Happy birthday, man. thank you bro. And you know, yeah. my brother were talking last night, and you know we had a good moment with Grandpa. You know, now that we're older, we're able to communicate a little bit better. We kind of know how to dive into their mind a little bit more. You know, I think the previous generation was so like, oh, we don't talk about our feelings. So yeah. I was my brother like, now that we're older, we're thirty, we're just driving down. You know, they live down the street from us. So we're driving down, just telling them we're older now, right? So we could we're aware of these moments we have with our grandparents. We need to cherish them more. You know. When we were 21, my grandpa passed away. We loved our grandpa, but we knew we weren't, we were still young. We didn't appreciate what was happening. So now that yeah. we're 30, 28, 29, like what's appreciated now? Let's be aware and appreciate it and just continue helping them. Cause you know how it is with grandparents, bro. They've helped us at least throughout so much of our lives. It's been a constant in our lives. So oh, yeah. I, I agree with you, what you say, taking care of the elderly, bro. We need to. Um, yeah, what are we without them? You know what I mean? Yeah, and then, you know, they, they, they sacrifice a lot, so we didn't have to, you know what I mean? So that, that's, if nothing else, man, a little bit of debt of gratitude, you know, to, to, to show them. It's a scary thing that that's kind of being 
just the, the next generation doesn't really see it that way. Um, just from coaching or just being around kids now, when I'm doing my regular job, it's, I tell them it's okay to fail once in a while. It's okay to oh, eat yeah. shit. It's okay to eat shit sometimes. You know, it, it sucks. But like you said, you're going to get that learning experience. And I think we really need to um, emphasize that some things are not going to work. I'm sure you try some things that haven't worked. And I try some things for sure that haven't worked. But I think as long as you have, like you said, that hustle that, you know, you want to execute, I think that's going to make you stand. That's going to separate the boys from the men for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah definitely. You know, you got to enjoy the process no matter what you're going to do. If you have a passion for it, enjoy the process, man. If it didn't work out, you enjoyed the process. Right. If it does work out. You're enjoying it. And you're living life, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, um, especially with, with stuff that you're passionate about, I see how you're passionate about, you know, sports and, and, and the podcast. Are, are you still coaching Ernie over there? Yeah, um, that's what you actually now. You got, I got a Highland plug right now. I'm at Highland High School now, dude. Highland High School. I don't have any Highland stuff on me right now, but I'm at Highland High School now, dude. Scots, the Scotsman, right? The Scots now. Sadly, I know some guys on here are going to hate it, but yeah, dude, I'm a, I'm a Scot now, man. I'm, I, you know, I made the move. Um, you know how it is too. You know you got to sometimes go where the money's at. Money yeah. always makes things a little bit more easier, especially when you're trying to do so many things. It's gonna help facilitate what we gotta do financially with the passions. You know the passion work they call it. So you, you, you know I coach at the Hatchby High, right? I coach basketball there. I know that, Jay. Yeah, yeah. I coach the freshman team and uh, shoot 92, 93. Uh, yeah, basketball, man, is my first love, man. People don't know this about me, but yeah, I was the most valuable player my senior year. Um, good, good. Yeah, I love basketball, man, but uh, I just knew I'd go further. In football. You love the game, bro. I remember we would be at the house watching Lakers. That's when Kobe was still, you know, we knew it was the yeah, game. Man. It was so many times we watched the boxing, too. I knew you loved boxing, too. So, um, it's, it's yeah, yeah, dude, basketball is kind of, it's my passion, dude. It's I'm not a baller by any means, but I love the game. And I think those life lessons, um, I always tell the boys, I'm going to help you with basketball. But my goal is I'm going to help you become better men because this world after high school, it's going to it's coming and going. It's coming and going. It's nonstop. There's no um, oh God willing. None of them, you know, I just had a friend pass away today. None of them see that, you know, but life's a long, long road and it's going to be full of potholes is going to be full of, you know we're going to have those smooth rides but sometimes you're going to hit a bump and it's okay to hit that bump and hopefully yeah. I can tell them you know just like you know you told me something like okay I, that makes so much sense I hope it makes sense to them one day man and you know as a coach like that shit is going to always stay with them and still to them for life so I hope you know I'm aware of that so I'm just, it's cool to get back to the community too man we don't you know how you know how this with coaching we don't do this for the Fetty. there's no money in this game oh. No, and you know, I, I had the same values when I was coaching, man. It was like a lot of these kids had this crazy image in their head, like they're going to go pro or something. And they don't realize the numbers and how, what the percentage is like of these guys going pro. So, you know, it was always to try to prepare them for something other than sports, you know, to, to get that degree and go out there and work. Because if you make the pros, that's great. If I have a secondary and a third option in your back pocket in case you don't, because if that's the only thing you're hanging your hat on, you, you may be, you know, disappointed when, when you don't get there and you got nothing else to fall back on. And I've, I've always been a believer. I always preach 
the five P's, proper planning prevents poor performance. So, you know, if you plan properly at the, you know, junior high, the high school level, you know, you're not, you're not going to pour, you're not going to perform poorly, you know, as you become an adult and you don't want to perform poorly when you become an adult. So prepare now, you know, that you're in, in high school and you got the tools and the time and, and the, the youth on your side. You know what I mean? Yes. You did say something too that kind of broke my mind that time is precious, right? Yes. I think I, there was a quote, money can buy almost everything in the world, bro, but this time, I think that's something I'm realizing a lot too, Jay, that, you know, I just turned 30 and I feel great. I honestly do feel great, but I know my time is not going to be here forever. This thing is going to fly just as bad no. as 30, dude. Like, You're right. My, 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 my dad used to tell me, you know, money can buy a house, but not a home. Definitely. Money can buy a watch, but not time. Yes, yes. Um, you it's, know what I mean? So yeah, you use it wisely because by the time you know it, man, you know, it's, gonna be up yeah dude i'm trying to definitely make the most of this man it's um it's been crazy man i think something like i'm glad you came on i think you cut this podcast at the right time you know now we're finally going into video podcasting and we still got the audio but that's going to be like an exclusive thing for our listeners we kind of will have like a little segment before you come on but to see the way it's happening bro i'm glad you did tell me yo what's late what's wait till 71 it was yeah. a year, bro. I, I think I've been asking you since like the first 10 episodes. Uh, that's, that's my number, bro. So, you know, I, I feel good about it. Honestly, I didn't think we were going to talk this long. Man. Shoot, it's been almost over an hour now. Good Lord. <laughs> I kind of figured it was, that was going to happen too, though, Jay. Um, again, bro, I respect you so much, man. And um, you're my guy, bro. And I've always, I'm uh, glad we kept in touch. Uh, over the years bro uh and i really appreciate it man i've always uh respected you man i'm always i'm always rooting for you too i know you you're where you're at but i'm always gonna root for you dude i know i always tell you like that's the shit i love seeing you out there man and doing what i know this is yeah. your line of work now this is what you love to do um i'm aware too that you don't waste your time you're you're not gonna you're not that sit-at-home guy so yeah, no, definitely not man yeah, bro. So you come on, and we're just talking about you know everything that's just give a glimpse. We could have went on for three hours, you know, but oh, definitely. and it, it, it's you know, we didn't even talk about my guy logic. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I, I want to see. I want to be honest, man. No disrespect to my guy logic. I'm not. I'm not the biggest logic fan in the world, but that's cool. Like I'm glad that's cool. We could talk about that. How it's how is that guy? I don't know much about him. Is he a cool cat? Is he? You know, one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet, man. I mean, he's a stay-at-home body. He don't mess with nobody. He just goes home. He does his thing and goes home. And if he ain't got his thing, he's home. And uh, just a real nice guy. I mean, he, he ended up moving uh, out of state, so we don't deal with him anymore. But even then, you know, um, I'm sure you noticed on my Instagram, I got rear-ended not long ago. Mm -hmm. Um and he, he he reached out to me, man. I asked how I was. I mean, uh, if I needed anything, I mean, well, most people aren't going to do that. Yeah, he's at. You know what I mean? At, uh, at that level of celebrity, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So uh, you know, meant a lot to me, man. That he's a class act like that, and um, like I said, nothing but positive energy with that guy. Good, solid dude, man. Um, you know, I'm starting. His music is growing on me. I'm not. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm a logic fan either. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm kind of an old head, uh, but um, but like I said, he's a class actor and a good dude, man. 
did you so did you go on um, these Cali dates with him touring, or was that just his little personal? No, no, we, 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 we his uh, residential security. Oh, okay, that's yeah. We, we, yeah, we handled his house. Uh, you know, he had a studio on his home as well, and he had artists coming in there. Uh, but we, yeah, we were primarily just residential. I did a few little things with him. He had a book signing thing. Uh, went out there with him, but his his head of security, his name is Pep. Uh, you can find him on Instagram, Big Pep. Uh, good solid dude as well, man. And um, and how I landed that gig was, you know, just working out at the gym. You know, he came up to me and asked if I was counter security, and I go, yeah, you know, and uh, asked for some advice. He was he's a young kid as well, and uh, and you know, he'd reach out to me every now and then, kind of as a mentor, and I'd give him advice, and he ended up getting this uh, logic beat film. <laughs> Beautiful, dude. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's great. That's LA for you, though, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, LA is big, but at the same time, it can be really small, especially in the executive protection industry, because everyone knows everybody. Definitely. I forgot his name, dude. Is it Rickland, the the music businessman? He's the bald guy. I see you take a few pictures with him. He's he has. Oh, you're talking about um, Steve Lobel. Lobel, how is he, dude? He seems like a fucking grinder like he's yeah, no one's gonna hustle more than steve lobel man steve lobel was the one of the original ogs man you know he worked with run dmc back in the day mm-hmm. so that shows how long he's been around mm-hmm. um and then he dealt with uh he managed um man i forget that rap group's name it'll come to me in a minute it was it was, was that, i don't know if it was wu-tang no, it wasn't Wu Tang. Um, no, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I'll get it still when we're talking. But I seen that you had some, you know, you were close with him, and that guy's a grinder, bro. I follow him. He's a grinder. I love seeing people grind. Oh, yeah, no, he's, he's helped a lot of people get in the rap game, man. And um, he's even been uh, in some of the rap songs, you know, I'm going to talk about Steve Lobel. Uh, but he started We Working University. And uh, what that is, it's for up and coming artists, managers. Even security, you know, um, it's an online course that you can take that's ran by Steve Lobel. And uh, he actually called me to handle the security portion of his online schooling. So um, we kind of collaborated with that uh, a few years back. So I was I, I was honored, man, when Steve called me because I've known Steve since, you know, back in the day, like uh, when they were doing Coachella. You know, I, that's another detail that I do was Coachella. And um, Rock the Bells. I don't know if you remember Rock the Bells. Yeah, bro, definitely. Yeah, we, we did Rock the Bells. You know, Steve Lobel would always be at those shows. And not, not to make people new, Steve, because he's not right there in the front, but he's the guy in the back. He's all the you way. Know what I mean? Yes. And, and I knew Steve because, you know, Steve's a New Yorker, man, and I grew up in Jersey. So I knew Steve, you know, back back when, you know, we were both in, in, on the East Coast. So whenever I'd see him in the crowd or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I knew to grab him, you know, like you didn't have to go through security because a lot of times guys don't know who they are. I gave him a hard time or something. So he's always been appreciative of that, and, you know, working with some of the artists I've worked with uh, the past 20 years or so. Uh, yeah. He thought it'd be fitting to to kind of do the security portion of this we work in university. So, yeah. Just uh, Ruby, guess we could do a shoot question. What would be your favorite artist to work for? Who has been your favorite artist to work for? Who's been my logic, man? You know, so logic is just, I mean, I can relate to the guy, man. You know what I mean? He's just, he he gives out a good energy, man, that I like. I remember one time 
when I was there at his house, he walked out the front door and, and I'm kind of standing there. And then he looks over to his right and goes down the hill. And I'm like, where's he going? Mm-hmm. There was a guy trimming his trees, the landscaper, mm-hmm. you know, older Mexican cat. And he went over there and shook his hand, man. And just was like, thank you, man. That's awesome. I mean, that's crazy. You know what I mean? like, you're not going to find too many guys, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are making that kind of money. And I think that year he made about 29 million, you know, that are going to make that kind of money and be that humble. You know what I mean? So uh, that, that, that definitely sat heavy on my mind you know, when I saw him do that. And uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely a special person, man. And it's crazy. I'm sure you've seen this too firsthand with these celebrity um, clients you have. When you have that much money, I'm sure there's leeches all over this place. Even in yes. even in camouflage, there's a lot of leeches there. Do you ever tell them, like, kind of give them advice, like, hey, you should watch out for this guy, or maybe you should, you know, give them life advice. You're you're older. You're you're a mentor. You're someone who could guide them. Is that something you do, or is that just no? Nah, that's not my job. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, no, normally, you know, you don't speak until spoken to. You know, what I mean, in that line of work, um, mm-hmm. and you definitely have to separate you know, your emotions from business. Um, a lot of these guys don't want you to be their friends, to be honest. You know what I mean? So I won't go down that road unless they come to me. You're never going to catch me going to someone saying, hey, you need to do this or you need to do that. Like, I'm going to stay in my lane. Yeah. You know what I mean? My lane is a security lane. It's right here. And I'd stay right in it. You know what I mean? As far as uh, therapy or or being a counselor lane, like, I don't, I don't, cross lanes unless someone wants me to or they ask me to mm-hmm. uh, but yeah i just try to stay in my lane provide uh, a service that they're paying for you know what i mean uh, they're paying for a service and my, my job is to give them that service 110 percent, and hopefully they like it so much that they, they could refer me to someone else um and just keep, keep me on board you know I mean? and that's how it works right just like anything else it's word of mouth i'm sure right yeah and, and it's, it's, it's no different than your line of work like yeah, if you're, exactly. if you're saying, and you see uh, a, a, maybe a mother discipline a kid. You're not going to come out from behind there and go talk to that mother. You know? <laughs> I'm here to play the music. That's all. That's, that's what they're paying you for, man. You know, playing the music. But it does, I'm sure it does. I'm, as a person who has some character, you, you know, person of high moral standard, you see these, you know, these guys with money, you just see the leeches. I bet that's like, that's sad, honestly, right? It is, it is, man. And, and I think the saddest part is, you know, a lot of these guys, um, they, they just don't know at the end of the day who's in their corner because they, they care about them. You know what I mean? Because um, the longer you go on, the more these leeches come in. And then a lot of them are sophisticated. You know? They blend <laughs> they, in. They, they, they blend in. They play mind games, you know, and this and that. And you don't know he's a leech until you know, you're being sued or, or something along those lines. But uh, like I said, it's just nothing I get involved in. Uh, I try to stay away from all that stuff and I just focus more on what I'm being paid to do and make sure that the client is safe. Because from point A to point B, there's no issues. No one gets lost or no one gets hurt. And at the end of the day, I can sleep at night. And you get to go home too. That's, I'm sure that's the biggest, especially for, you know, law enforcement, you want to go home to your wife and kids every night. There's oh, yeah. oh, nothing yeah. going to no get doubt. in the way of that. No, I'm, I'm going home. Trust me. <laughs> okay, Jay, man. Um, this is episode seventy-one, my guy. I That's think- cool. Well, were you gonna run this to one, man? What's up? 
how much longer are you going to run this? You're, you're at 71 now. We were going to the thousands? We're going to go as much as we can, Jay. As long as I'm here, bro, I'm investing it now. Um, Lord willing, as long as we can, man, until I'm 50. This is, this is therapy for me, dude. Like, it's been... Um, it's been therapy, bro. It's crazy how many people like it because I'm just really shooting the shit. What the STS podcast? What this is oh. essentially is shooting the shit, and that's all we're doing. Even if I'm by myself on a podcast or I have somebody else, somebody that that's a good. We're not just hey, this is my first time meeting you, Jay. How you doing? It's people yeah. always came across my in my life. And that's the kind of thing that makes it unique from other podcasts. Is we're friends, and I'm bringing my friends on, and my friends just happen to do some cool shit. They're respectful people that are you know they're full of class like yourself, you know, they're successful. Um, if I could continue doing that, continue bringing my best to it, um, for this logo, bro, I'm all for it, man, because this is what I love to do. I've always been to radio. I've always, I remember watching, this is before he passed, so rest in peace, Larry King, watching Larry King, watching Carson Daly, watching AJ and Free on BET, um, Big Tigger on uh, the rap base, but those guys I always wanted to kind of be like, but in my own way. So I think this podcast really does do that for me. Um, yeah. It's one of the two. We have another one. My, my, my boy, Rob, love that one. Um, DJ business is awesome, bro. Kind of wish I was into that avenue when we first met. I think we could have done some great stuff. Yeah. You know, I think the rap game was different. You know, you, know, you know how it is. Sometimes you don't make money doing music, like on a local level. DJ has blessed me so much, man, and I'm really grateful. But again, you don't you don't sit back and enjoy it. You just try to keep going to different levels. There's so much I need to learn about the, the DJ game still. Um, yeah, sure. So that's fun, bro. And just Highland now too, bro, just getting – I want to be a teacher. I want to do different – I want to help the community out, help people. Like I've always said I want to be good to the custodian like I am to the principal, you know. That's mm -hmm. always been my – my way of doing things. I want to treat everybody good, just like you. Karma comes around, bro. Um, I got a you know a new old lady too, which is pretty cool. God bless me with that. Yeah, oh, it, it's karma, bro. It's timing too. Timing's a big thing, dude. Timing, luck, execution. When you put all that stuff together and you have some good karma, I don't think you know. Think good things happen, bro. That's right. That's right, man. So, yeah, I saw your I saw your last episode uh, with your teachers, man. I thought that was pretty impressive that you could stay in contact with those people, man, for as long as you did, and still be able to have relations with them, man. So my hats off to you for that, man. Because I don't, I think if I picked up the phone and called any of my teachers right now, they wouldn't know who the hell I was. <laughs> it's you know me, bro. I just like networking with people and just show. I have a lot of love for people too, man, and um, they help me out a lot too behind the scenes. A lot of people don't even know these. They've got me so many gigs at schools. And that's just the teachers. We could have put, you know, I want to get my professor from BC that I've always kept in contact with. Gives me letters of recommendation. Hopefully we can get him on. And there's so many things I want to keep doing, man. Just showing, like you said, just podcasts like that. I think people really enjoy stuff like that, bro. And, you know, just like you, I just got to reach out to them and like, yeah, earn, you know, whenever you can. Let's do it, you know, whenever we can. So I think it's going to go well, man. Like, you don't, you say, we don't, we don't do this for fame or nothing like that. That's money don't even worry about what this this is just content and it's my therapy and i think if we could stay consistent you see me announcing shows now never yeah. did that before never did that never even thought about it i was like Joe, so you definitely, you definitely seem a lot more comfortable you yeah. know on the podcast i remember seeing you earlier i didn't seem as comfortable kind of had a tough time with with what you, you were going to ask and stuff but the more you did it now it's like you're yeah. starting to get more comfortable 
you know, on the pocket. I remember seeing you early on, didn't seem as comfortable. Kind of had a tough time with with what you you were going to ask and stuff. But the more you did it, now it's like you're starting yeah. to get more comfortable at this, you know, and it's coming off more natural for you, which is cool, man. Larry King said, "I never learned anything talking on my show," so I'm like, "Okay, we should take that." <laughs> and I just I want to know your story, Jay. Like I didn't even like being from Russia, being um, college football player, going from probation to parole. That's something. That's crazy, dude, because so many people do that nowadays. I have so many of my dad's friends. Hey, what happened? What's his name? Oh, he's a parole agent now. He went to get that cheddar. So, like, not even that out of, you know. And I'm sure you know, too, probation is a whole different game now. Just from what I know, it's not what it was back in the 90s. No, it's not. Laws are changing, and uh, society is changing. So you got to be able to adapt with that change. You know what I'm saying? If you're not going to adapt with that change, that the job is going to be kind of hard for old heads like your dad and myself, because you know we we, we had back in the day. You know what I mean? Now, now you they don't have too much teeth. Uh, you got to be more um, more willing to just write reports, I guess. You know, and um, to try to help people through rehabilitation, but uh, some people just don't want that help, Ernie. You know what I mean? And you can't help somebody who doesn't want that help. And I'm sure you know too, when you have parole and probation kind of merging because of budget cuts and your workload's getting a little bit more bigger and you're dealing, you're not dealing with the youth anymore. You're dealing with guys who've been in and out their whole lives. Oh yeah. Are they trying, this is a vacation for them? Are they really trying to figure shit out? But the, some of these guys were just going through the motions. I'll be back. And well, you know, there's a term already they call institutionalized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of them become institutionalized. Um, it's just hard, man, because, you know, the, the state says, you know, they're going to offer these guys rehabilitation. But when they come out, there really isn't much rehabilitation. You know what I mean? All the programs you want to send them to are full, non-existent, uh, shut down. And you got this guy who's, you know, got mental health problems, needs to take medication. He, he needs a program. His family has disowned him. What do you do for a guy like that? You know, you can't make him homeless. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you're, you're pulling your hair out of here. That's what got no hair. Ernie, you're pulling yeah. your hair out of here, yeah. trying to get these guys, you know, help and stuff. But uh, it's just sad that we, we don't have as many resources that, that we need to, to help these individuals out now. Yeah. We won't go into a lot of stuff like that, but I think which we, what we see ha- what we have money for, but, but what we need, what we the money that we need stuff for, but we have, we're wasting on other things like, how come we don't put money to mental health then? And this kind of blessing of this this generation, they're kind of aware of what our mental health is. I think, especially with me, I didn't find out about childhood trauma till after 25, 26, 27, when I was exposed to it, because that's that's that is being more that's being spotlighted more. That is that's real, dude. I think we should we definitely need more towards mental health and programs like the ones that you guys do offer, or the state offers, the county offers. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the, the sad part about it, Ernie, is you know we, we live in a society that's reactive. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we wait for the accident to happen, and then we'll put the stop sign up. You know, we, we can address a lot of these issues in grammar school and high school. You know, there's no reason why we, we can't send kids to have anger management classes in, in high school. You know, I mean, at least they'll be aware. They may not need it. So some will go and go on, but. The ones that do need it, man, you know, to, to sit there through a mandatory class, you know, help them address some of their anger issues. Because a lot of that is what's causing these guys to get into trouble is that they've got, like you had said earlier, this childhood trauma that they haven't addressed. Yeah. And it's sitting right here in their heart, man. And they can't verbally talk about it. So it comes out in a physical way or it comes out by joining a gang. 
and and they're going about the wrong way, but they're feeling nourished. They're feeling loved, you know, by, by the wrong people. But we do have the ability, you know, when they're younger to try to address it before these guys get locked up. And now that they get locked up, we're like, oh, let's help them. A little bit late now, you know what I mean? Because this guy's going to have a hard time finding work now. His family probably don't want nothing to deal with him. Um, so he's going to fight an uphill battle his whole entire life, man. And that's such a common occurrence, especially where yeah. we're at here on the east side. Common occurrence, bro. And, yeah. and they're not aware. I've been saying this a lot too much. Twitter, like, being aware is probably half the battle. As long as you're aware of what's going on, you can make steps to figure that out now. I think it's like a 12-step program. You got to admit it. You got to be, you got to know you have a problem. How are you going to be aware yeah. of it if you don't know it's a problem? I think, yeah. um, and I'm aware of it. a huge issue. Definitely. I think grown men. The, 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 the one question I used to ask a lot of my parolees when I used to come out of uh, prison, and, and, and mind you, Ernie, some been down for 25 years. Can you imagine being in prison for 25 years, man? Not at all. Uh, you know, they, they come into the office, and, and my first question to them is, when is the last time you did something for yourself? Sounds like an easy question, but think about it. When's the last time you did something for yourself? A lot of them can't even answer that question. And why is that? Because they're not doing stuff for themselves. They got such low self-esteem, Ernie, that they'll go out in the world and they'll help this person. They'll help that person. They'll help this woman, you know, but who are they not helping? themselves Definitely. you know what i mean and, and that's the person you need to help the most when you got those issues you got to put yourself on this pedestal where you're a god you know what i mean and take care of yourself spoil yourself listen to music you like hit the gym take care of yourself physically mentally once you do that ernie then you can take care of this woman then you can take care of this child then you can help your parents then you become a productive member of society but if you can't answer that one question it's gonna be tough I always tell people, if I'm not right mentally, I'm no good to anybody. I got to be right. If I'm not right, I'm not any good to you guys. Like, why am I going to do that to you guys? I agree 100%. Jay hit the band, dude. A lot of things that you say, I really live by. And I think that's another why we kind of we always have this friendship. We understand that type of stuff. And that's beautiful. Bro. I think people need to understand that. If we're not right, if we haven't done stuff for ourselves to be a better man, be a better person, how are we going to help out the grandparents or the girlfriend or the siblings who need our help? We're not even right. You, 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 you ain't gonna. You know what I mean? You, you, you think you can't. You think you're trying, but you're doing more damage yeah. than you are good. Yeah. I'm learning that still, man. Uh, people think that therapy is a bad thing. We need to stop that. Like, no. Find out why you think this way. People are not going to tell you what to think. They're going to walk you through on how, do, why do you feel this way? It's one of, maybe you'll find your, the reason why, the root of the problem. And that's a beautiful thing to know, dude. Like, still, things I'm still finding now from childhood like, oh, fuck, that's why, okay. I can start having these communications now. I can start having these conversations and releasing that negative burden that I, ne I never knew I carried with me this entire time. It's crazy, dude. Life's a, dude, being older too, I thought, oh, man, I don't want to get old. Older comes with a lot of wisdom. It really yeah, does, dude. Oh, God, it's crazy, Jay. It's a beautiful life, man. But again, it is, bro. It is, man. It is a beautiful life, bro, right? <laughs> Man, I can't complain because you know you think you got a worse. Trust me, there's someone out there that's got a much worse than you. Definitely, man. Again, bro, episode seventy-one, Jay. I appreciate you being on, man. I think the people are really gonna enjoy. It. I know I enjoyed it at least. I want them to enjoy, it, <laughs> but I'm just glad we linked up, man. And it was too, right, man. it was effortless. <laughs> All right, man. Like, 
Well, what are we, 71? So when you get to, what, what, what's the other half of 71? 71 is uh, 142. You're going to come back at 142, Jay? Yeah, 142. I got you, Jay. 142, my guy. Jay Belcar, EC3, episode 71. We out. Peace. Thank you.